Hi, listener. This is from Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey for the go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. Today, I'm interviewing Nick Shivanov from the Joyfulness Podcast. Nick's podcast is all about living with as much joy as possible. In a world where often people live in discontent, I see that as a worthwhile message for sure. How can our how can we be a kind of selves to ourselves and others? What is our sacred nature? Such questions and more are clarified in Nick's podcast. It's a podcast about conversation on the nature of existence, life, and genuine connection. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So, hi, Nick. Hello. Thank you for having me. Lovely intro. So, we're both Nicks. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas, I have a a coach I coach and the for about a, a couple of months I was called Nicholas <laughs> by the <laughs> you just keep calling me Nicholas I say I, I sort of let it slide I'm like <laughs> it's all right keep, keep calling me Nicholas yeah yeah wow so um what exactly is joy oh straight into it no small talk let's do it all right <laughs> what is joy great question i guess it's different for everyone depends on someone's experiences um what's well, only limited to what people are familiar with i think um if i had to tie it into an experience that we're all pretty familiar with it's like playing with a dog i would say like you know you feel really free <laughs> yeah. you're happy you don't really care if the dog bites you it doesn't really matter it's all part it's all playful it's all fun um light uh yeah just like playfulness then yeah playful playful free yeah that's probably at the heart of it and feels really i have a sense that living in joy is like in some ways living like a child again oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) how did you relearn that how did i ah right well for me um it was it sort of cracked open for me after an experience with ayahuasca so for me i studied physics and engineering and i was very much a like intellectual world kind of person (laughs) um that's where i that's how i grew up it's my family and everyone that was the value system at home high achieving you have to achieve high Uh, so that's just what i knew um but then i came across some like research somehow about ayahuasca and i was like what is this thing i don't know i can't explain it <laughs> so for me the logical thing was to just try it out for myself and see what is it what it was about and after i did that that sort of just opened up a lot of uh a new new realm of experience and that's yeah well, the floodgates of it's like almost like the floodgates that were holding back this uh joy just just released and opened up and everything kept coming up for me it was rather rather fast um and it just would only by the day just grow in this uh in beauty and it's something within everyone so it's not mm. it's not it doesn't belong to it belongs to everyone <laughs> do you feel really- like it was kind of pre-planned in some way that you were going to take ayahuasca and have that kind of awakening experience planned I have no idea. Um, it certainly felt led by grace. I can say that much. Um, mm. Like by grace, whether it's pre-planned or not, I have no idea. <laughs> no, no clue. 
Yeah. So do you think you could take us through the experience that you had? Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, Well, the first, I drank twice. The first time was the first time I had ever, it's my first psychedelic pretty much. I did, I had a bit of weed before then, but it was what, so like 20, um, first psychedelic. I didn't know what to expect, <laughs> but I pretty much thought, I remember I, I spoke to someone next to me and I, cause we spoke later and I, um, I told her like, Oh, there's nothing to, I was actually not afraid at all, which was really strange. I was just really cocky. <laughs> um, right. I wasn't afraid at all. <laughs> I was like, no, it's all right. Like, um, I don't even know if I was cocky, probably just naive, naive, maybe brave a bit as well. Some sort of mixture of arrogant, naive and brave. <laughs> You're doing it for um, science, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. To understand, um, to understand for me. Um, when I was talking to the girl next to me, I said, Hey, like, yeah, uh, it's all in your head. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but of course, after I did it, <laughs> that all went out the window. Um, yeah, for me, it was just like, a. you hear of entities, you hear of like these perceptual breakthroughs that you have. And, but if I had to sum it up, it'd just be went going through like bliss these blissful experiences and also at the same time agonizing experiences and being confronted with things that i didn't understand and didn't expect that just threw a shock to my nervous system and um just being like there were times where i was just going through every single emotion for just laughing crying for just i don't even know how long um so the first time was sort of like a huge emotional storm um of all this stuff that i didn't know was in me uh, coming up and quite overwhelming but by the end of it i was pretty pretty exhilarated but like just the world i saw was completely different to when i was so up suddenly did you suddenly have this overwhelming like tunnel of light or something overwhelming tunnel of light um that would come later <laughs> all that right come, but in just in this first time there were there was an overwhelming sense of coming home during the experience that I do remember right. quite explicitly. It's like, it was after all the agony, after all of that, it was a whole, it was kind of like, Hey, it's been here. We've been here all along. <laughs> Welcome. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> cool. Yeah. And the, the, that was like the, the opening. It was really nice. But after that, that's when I started exploring for me, it started with the psyche and there's a book called, I don't remember. Um, there's some book about the psyche. Uh, I could find it if it comes to me, hope maybe later. But I started reading a bit, getting into the mysteries and un- understanding. I wanted to make sense of what, of life. That's when the questions mm. started coming that you mentioned at the start of the podcast, like these questions started coming. Um, and that led me to do something called Psych K eventually, which is a way to, change subconscious beliefs which is something that i'm i use in my life not so much anymore but still did play a part and then the most probably important part was letting go because that experience Mm. um was the first probably most profound was the confrontation with death that had had no escape from Uh, i felt like i know probably to someone who hasn't had it's like an experience you could say yeah but you didn't really like you didn't really die, but you did. <laughs> That's very um, intellectual I, to say, right? It's easy to say, yeah, but it yeah, feels yeah. like death, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually quite get there, but I did. 
I took DMT once, but I didn't really break through. But I did experience fear of death. Mm, it's intense, and right? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's this intense fear of death. And yeah, how was that for you? Well, it's one of these things where I realized at some point everything was so overwhelming that I had to either let go or it would be horrible. Right. Um, and mm. but when I did, it all got way easier. And then I had a sort of, I did feel, feel like I'd been guided in some sense. Yeah. And then it was almost like I had a conversation with my higher self or something, something like that. And like, I realized, I already, I already really knew intellectually about like the unity and we're all like unified and stuff. Right. But I experienced it on another level. It wasn't just <laughs> yeah. intellectual. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a really cool thing for this podcast. I like moving from the intellect into the embodied experiential is like, What's the point of staying in the boring intellect? Why not live it? <laughs> you know, yeah. why not live it every day? Um, yeah. Is it escaping sometimes yeah, being in the intellect? Yeah, it is. It's also like just purely, ha- it's reinforced everywhere around us, you know? It's reinforced mm. how we grow up. It's reinforced um, economically to be more intellectual and rational and um being able to problem solve really well, you get paid really well <laughs> um, if you're able to do that really well. So, uh, what is your you know, this special technique that is to deal with uh, your subconscious beliefs and stuff? Yeah, well, that's what I, it was really cool. So, I used to run a startup um, just before before the days of the ayahuasca, still after, but I, I was we were building an app for someone and for like a group of people. And someone in the group of people, she didn't, I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't need that. But later I would come to learn that she was this psyche. Um, so she taught people psyche and I had no idea about what it was. I'm like, what the, hell, what the hell is that? <laughs> but eventually mm. we spoke because she was really loving. All I noticed was she was just really loving. She was really just happy, energized, really nice to be around. And she never pressured me, never told me about it. She's never like this is what I do. She never said that. She's just, it was all like invitational. It was a pool. I, after I started learning about the psyche, I'm like, whoa, what the hell, what is it that you do? And then that's when we got talking, I learned a bit more about it. And it's just a way to change subconscious beliefs. Um, the thing is that I, even after facilitating it, I still don't understand like the science. <laughs> I still don't understand how but after having so many experiences myself and other people working together with it, it's just, I know that it works. Um, I don't know how it works, <laughs> but right. it's just a way to change patterns, um, patterns of beliefs. It's uh, one of the poor steps that you take. Right. Right. Um, for me, it's like being a mirror. The most important one is, is I actually identifying it. So if I'm in with someone, it'd be to identify the belief. So it's sort of like, I just ask a question. And what I found, what I've seen is the most important part is actually the intention between the two people. So on my half to not try to control or guide, I'm not a guide, not try to control or steer the person, but rather be like a clear mirror. Um, and then the other person's intention and willingness to uh, 
go and find what they're looking for, <laughs> which only they know, you know, I'm just there for the ride. Uh, is, that's the first step. Yeah. Is it about kind of learning from the other person and what it brings up in you? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's about learning. Uh, well, you can buy, the most important thing is you're, you're here, you're with this person, this person asks you a question. And then if it's a good session, then the person would realize, <laughs> oh, right. Like, cause we're so stuck in, we live so much in our shoes that we don't realize all these stories that we're telling ourselves 24 seven. So when we have someone sit in front of us and say, Hey, you just told me that like, it's hard to do this, but you know, that's just, that's just one perception as a one point of looking at it. So there you go. That was just a discovery of a belief, right? Cause we only say the things we believe. Right. We don't say the things we don't believe. Otherwise we wouldn't say it. <laughs> so we yeah. say all these things all the time. We just don't have someone to feed back off of. So that's like the, probably the most important part is actually un- identifying what is a belief and realizing that it is just a belief. And then all I ask is this very, very simple question. What do you want to believe instead? very simple. The other person will then it's, there's no logic behind it. It's totally intuitive. One person wants this, the other person wants that. Sometimes uh, I've learned over my, over my experiences, I don't to suggest as little as possible, (laughs) just let the other person, because I don't actually know. Sometimes it might be an intuition, but often the other person always knows what's best for them um, in my experience. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And then it's like, okay, is the actual process of changing the subconscious belief. And then you just live your life um and see how things go yeah that sounds like something i could use as well Mm. yeah i just had a thought like i've been experimenting with tarot cards and stuff recently right i'm getting some practice doing some readings with people for practice and i just realized that sometimes i see a card and i might ask them a leading question kind of about what it seems to suggest but that might be slightly (laughs) putting my angle in there right yeah yeah. i could simply just I don't know, like, I could ask them how they feel about something, but without, like, suggesting what the answer is. It, it's something that we have to learn. Yeah, it's a tough one um, about suggesting things. And there is this balance. Sometimes it's nice to offer a intuition, but to also know, I guess it's for me, it's about knowing myself quite well to see where, where it's coming from, like, where it's coming from. Is it really intuition or is it something else? Um, it really comes down to that um yeah there's this well, but what i've actually been working with more now which is something i can offer like to anyone to use right now is just like um a series of questions to help this process of letting go uh and it's been tremendously powerful it's incredible it's incredible we can do it live right now if you want yeah let's do it yeah okay okay so do you have any um anything that's particular like any feelings that have been like most prominent recently, like the, like agitations or something. Um, hmm. I mean, something I've been dealing with, I guess, is fear of being judged. Right, right, perfect. Let's work with that. It's so simple, but it just works magical. It just works like magic. Um, okay, so with this fear, with this fear, L- looking at this fear, could you in this moment 
So your eyes can be open, eyes can be closed, doesn't really matter. Um, could you just welcome the feeling? And could you welcome any desire to change, fix, uh, solve, prove or disprove, or do something with or about the feeling? Hmm. And could you welcome any sense that it's about you or happening to you. And could you just let it go? All right. How's that? Now, how does it feel now? A little bit lighter. A little bit lighter. What's left? I have an awareness that, admittedly, I kind of had it before, but I have an awareness that it's a negative belief that I'm not. Well, I mean, I must be insecure if, about something. I must feel that I'm not good enough if other people saying that would bother me, right? Right. So what's the, if you had to, um, so I am good. enough. Sorry. So I am good enough. Right. I don't know. What, what do you feel without, what do you, what do you feel if you had to, pin well, I mean, it's the feeling of being attacked, right? It's kind attacked. of like, right. Yeah. So you feel threatened. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Could you in this moment allow yourself to feel that? And could you allow any desire to change it or fix it? Do something with or about it? Yeah, just see how deeply you could just let it be <laughs> as it is already. I mean, it's already that way. May as well let it be there. <laughs> yeah, there's a sense of being unsafe generally. And it's not just about other people judging me or something it's also about right you know if deeper. you're in a dark room you wake up in the night and you're just like oh no what if something's there right, right. you hear something weird or something right and like you know it's just that it's fear yeah just fear and it's yeah. like an energy yeah yeah exactly yeah, the cool thing with these uh, questions is that it really doesn't matter what your answer is. <laughs> it's um, it's, yeah, it's not about the answer. It's about what happens when you ask the question. And of course, the intention is what matters most. When you, It's like you hear the question, right? And you, rec you recognize something. Like I could see you recognize something. Like, hey, hang on. Yeah, I could. Like, it's just so simple that the mind 
like dismisses it completely. It's like, there's no way this would work. There's no way. So it doesn't even try. <laughs> it doesn't actually try because we hear it all the time. We hear let, let go. We hear let things be. But we actually don't, don't commit ourselves completely to it. We don't actually let everything be. We're always trying to, because when we're trying to solve stuff, when we're trying to figure it out, it's actually a form of trying to control it, which is not yeah. trying to let yeah. it be. Um, yeah, so that, that's what, that's, I really like trust that approach. Involved. Yeah, there, yeah. Trusting your experience as how it's meant to be on some level. Well, it's that, that, well, yeah. guided. that that's actually a really good one. Trusting how it's meant to be. I mean, who's to say how it should be? Who are we to say mm -hmm. how something should be? <laughs> are we God, <laughs> the universe, life? You know, there's something within us um, and it's arising and we say it shouldn't be that way. But if we saw the whole picture, we wouldn't say that we would. It just makes sense to us. We'd just be like, ah, there you go. No, no wonder it's happening. <laughs> of course it is. You know, how else, how else would it be? Yeah. That's why I like that. that so what's that it. fundamental mechanism? Do you think? Letting go. Oh, that's on. letting go. I mean, the mechanism behind that defensiveness or what? Ah, defensiveness. Right. Probably evolutionary, I would say. Um, it just seems like, that's just if okay like for example if you look at a spider and you just put your hand little finger right next to the spider she's gonna crawl away run away we think it's mm. ours the defensiveness is ours but if we actually start to be observant and look around us it's in all of life <laughs> all of life shares this like protective uh very simple protective mechanism run away or go towards and eat if you're bigger than it and yeah, I think we just tend to forget that we're we're not, you know, my name's Nick. I'm not Nick, 23 years old. That's not me. <laughs> I I am life. I am the the inheritance of the evol the entire evolution of the animal kingdom. That's what I am. And it, and so if I just relegate myself to this tiny little speck, I'm not gonna it's gonna be very difficult to understand what's going on or live in peace. You mentioned something interesting where you're part of, you're suggesting that you're part of nature as a whole. Yeah, oh, I, I am life. There's, I am <clears throat> nature. You are nature. We are nature. <laughs> we are life. There's no separation. It's the separation we make is entirely arbitrary. We just say, this is nature, this is me. But it's all one thing. There's no... So no. acceptance seems to be a, car, uh, a fundamental part of your, that process. Why is acceptance so important? What? Right. Why is it so important? I mean, <laughs> you can, I guess you can just trial it yourself and see when you, in my experience, when we start with acceptance, where we're unifying with how things are and right. riding along with it. Whereas when we're trying to fight it, if we're not accepting it, it means that we're, we're trying to have things go away that they aren't going. And so we create this tension within ourselves that we think is coming from the thing that we're not accepting, but actually it's coming from our very refusal to go along with it, which if we just let right. go, bam, it suddenly dissolves and there's no tension. Cause I was um, been thinking, I was thinking that acceptance 
allows you to get to a unitive sort of experience. So you described it as unitive. Uh, and that's actually really interesting. Yeah, the right, idea yeah. that just by accepting, we're recognizing our oneness. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're letting go of the, the obstacles and resistances within ourselves to experiencing what we really are. <laughs> um, it takes so much energy to not experience the truth of what we are, to not experience or live in that unity with life, um, which comes with that joy, which comes with that peace. It takes so much energy. It's incredible. Like it's almost, it's like this massive, it's like walking around with 50 kilogram weights your whole life, but because everyone walks around it and tells you that's how things are, um, you know, in the language of people that people use, like the stress, anxiety, they're part of life. They don't have to be, <laughs> they don't have to be at all. It's just this inattention that we're so used to carrying that we seem to think for some strange reason that it can't be other than that. But I mean, right. So really we can true? chill, basically. We oh man, we can totally chill. <laughs> we can yeah. chill, yeah. Chill is nice. Chill is nice. So yeah. this leads on to another issue, which is um, doing versus being. Right. So, how do we engage with the world and or just be without trying, without actively controlling it? How do we just flow and act? Or not? Yeah. yeah. How do we? How do we actually? Because you might need to do your taxes, or you know, there's stuff ah, yeah, that yeah, you know yeah, to get done. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to be trying to controlling everything. So how do we do that? Right. Right. I think this bogs down to this. Uh, this a very. Uh, it's a. It's an illusion. The probably the primary illusion of the ego, which is that there is this central control unit called I that controls everything and does everything. That's fundamentally the, where this question comes from. It's like, if there's no I, if there's no, how will everything get done? But actually the thing is life is spontaneous and emergent in nature. It's evolutionary in nature. Things just happen. And we then come in, there's this projection that comes in on top of it and says, this is what happened. This is who did it. This is what's going on. But that's all conceptual. That's all. It's all, it's all in our heads, basically. Yeah. So when, in my experience, through letting go, the more I let go, the more I see things happen completely freely, it, like freely. So it's like if there's taxes to be done, then the taxes are done, but there's no one doing it. Um, it just happens. Things just happen. That's what life is, you know. Even thoughts, right. even the thought that we do control things, is something that just happens. It's not like we think of it into existence. It just comes up, you know? Where does it come from? Not us. It just comes up. We claim the ego is just so funny. It's not, I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as a very good deceptor. It's really good at its job. It's really good at its job. But when why we, do we have an ego? Why do we have an ego? I don't know. We seem to have one. <laughs> there must um, be a purpose for it being that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it would probably come down to, um, the way I've come to understand the ego is through the work of David Hawkins and his lectures on, on audible. So he has like whole series of lectures that are about the ego and he's, 
uh, he's my teacher and he's, he says like the, the most direct path to enlightenment is to intuitively understand the ego. Once you understand it, it dissolves, it loses its power of you. Right. I'm rephrasing that in my own words. I'm rephrasing that in my own words, but essentially as I've come to understand it, as I've come to see it also experience it is that within us all, we have this animal, this animal nature. It's very primitive. Um, and what happens is we then, come in and moralize about it and say, this shouldn't be here. This should be here. This is how we should be. But back to that life thing, um, that animal nature is what got us here. You know, it's what allows us to now moralize about it is the fact that it's there and it got us here. So that's what the ego is to me. It's our animal nature that has evolved over billions of years um, to be as it is. And so when we look at it from that perspective, it's a lot more helpful and a lot more easy because we're able to go easy on ourselves because we inherit it. We inherit it. It's not what we are, but it is something that we have to take responsibility for. Or we don't have to. I mean, we don't have to do anything. But if we want to live a peaceful life, it helps to take responsibility for the ego. And it's like now becomes your pet instead of your enemy <laughs> to fight <laughs> fight the ego uh i don't know it doesn't work very well when i try to fight uh stuff <laughs> yeah so that yeah so well think of it like you've got a cat right mm. or a dog and if you're constantly trying to control it it won't go well mm. but you could have it in your lap just purring <laughs> right yeah, and treats. You can give it treats. But if you... Um, I tried it. I actually tried it. I mean, I was dog-sitting for a while and I was, like, uh, out of habit because that's how I learned to treat dogs. Not necessarily in a very mean way. I love dogs. But in terms of training them, I was taught that negative reinforcement, so, like, punish for doing something bad. I tried that. It did not work. The dog did not understand what I was talking about. It did not work. But what worked really well and what I saw with others working really well was treats. They love treats. They just follow you around. You don't have to punish <laughs> them. It's like, it's sort of the same thing with the ego. You, you just give it treats, like, you know, like laughing with it, being like, this is a funny one, which we're not used to hearing, I guess. But if usually in, if we have like a judgmental, especially if we're spiritually aligned, if there is a uh, thought that comes up, I hate that person or that person should die. What we tend to do is be like, oh my God, that shouldn't be there. It needs to go away. I need to punish myself. I'm so bad. I'm not spiritually advanced. What the hell? Mm. But <laughs> there's a, a flip version, which is so much more easy, so much more enjoyable. And you're actually able to have fun now is to just actually uh, reinforce or not reinforce, but just laugh with it. To be like, yeah, of course, ego wants to kill. Like, that. I know you want to kill that person for cutting <laughs> in front of us. No, I just love that out of context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know you want to kill that person, but <laughs> no, no, no. That's perfect. That exact. That's exactly the uh... point. When you when you laugh at it, when you make it, you see the absurdity of it, and now you laugh at it rather than moralize and say uh, and create this inner conflict. Now you can just laugh it off in a second and no matter what it is, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> just treating it all with like a, so what? So what like counts a... as treating? Because 
someone might interpret treating mm. your ego as well if you want to smoke smoke if you want to have lots of chocolate chop have that if you want to have cocaine have cocaine so where's the right. line between that kind of well what you could call indulgement uh, yeah yeah and like actually something constructive that's a great question that's something that i've been exploring more recently um i don't know there is there is that indulgence side you're uh, that you're you're speaking about there is that indulgence where we just let like okay like let things be all right i'll, I'll let this i'll let this be I'll, I'll, I'll cocaine i'll do this do that um so there seems to be a place for discipline like the discipline seems like quite a nice thing to have in that if there are like extremes like that um then yeah sure but oh i had an idea what if yeah. you can use your method on it and think of why do i want to take cocaine no i don't <laughs> i'm just saying just to clarify but like yeah, yeah. if you do or whatever it is like because maybe you've got a negative belief behind that where you need to like make yourself complete with like cocaine. yeah <laughs> Well, that that's probably that's probably that's I'm not I wouldn't say I had the answer, but that's sort of where my sense of things is with what you just right. said. With what's been helpful for me as well, is to understand where the drive is coming from, and then take the necessary steps um, to, you know, sometimes if you have an addictive personality, probably to go AA or, or some twelve step group. Um, but, but you got to love yourself, not judge yourself. Oh yeah. That's, it doesn't help at all to judge. Um, it only actually, if you look at it, it really only strengthens it. Like I'll give you an example, like Netflix, right? I was watching a bit of Netflix and I'd noticed that this part of me that goes, I oh, know shouldn't be watching Netflix should be meditating. <laughs> should be <doing> something. <laughs> um, but what helped me was to, it was actually just spontaneous. It just allowing that to come up allowing that like should do this to come up and then what came from that was just this realization you know like i'm just going to enjoy it you know if i imagine god or if i imagine like for me god um the infinitely loving creator of all that is okay would 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 that sort of um power or would that would god god be interested in my self-punishment my judgment i don't, I don't think so <laughs> i think it's 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 just enjoyment like even for the ones we love for the ones we love we want them to enjoy life we want them to have fun we don't want them to feel bad about themselves so that's something that we carry on ourselves was some because we think it'll help because we don't feel worthy enough of, of being happy um but yeah, what, what's really cool is that I do have this thing that I'm, I am exploring at the moment about addictions and um, being free of them just through enjoying them, which is a sort of counterintuitive approach. But So me, what do people normally do then if they don't enjoy it? Oh, they don't enjoy. I don't think they enjoy it. Um, to me, enjoyment means it means consciously enjoying it. So like if I'm eating chocolate, um, which I have been practicing recently is like lot, just, right yeah <laughs> um if if i'm eating chocolate just pause and like really smell it 
like appreciate the smell um appreciate it and give thanks for it to me that's what enjoying it is like this con- you're turning it into this conscious this uh, activity to bring your awareness to to the beauty of it and what i've been noticing is the more i do this um the less the less it becomes compulsive um but what i have been noticing is when it does when it is compulsive that's when it's an addiction that's when it's like driven there's a drivenness behind it it's incessant yeah. and no so matter it's not what, about I what do, you're doing it's about how going on here yeah yeah that's what i've been seeing recently yeah is to just um just pause more appreciate it more even if so for example with a cigarette right to actually appreciate as much as you can <laughs> if you can appreciate whatever you can the texture the whatever it is um and actually consciously enjoy it because that way you're more aware of it and then something mm-hmm. i learned from hawkins is he would say if you want to stop eating cookies from a cookie jar he says forget discipline <laughs> uh, sorry he like forget yeah forget discipline forget trying to willpower doesn't work um so he says he says just count count the cookies you eat count the cookies and just that's all you do just just count it just count it write it in your diary okay today i ate five cookies today uh so that's what i've been doing with the chocolate i've just been counting it i've just been counting so doing journal work well actually that that there's part of me that's like okay i could use a journal but that sounds like a chore right but you could yeah it could be fun maybe just to make a little game out of it yeah like yeah a little game yeah yeah and the principle if you wanted to tie it into science that that utilizes is the like the observer effect that just observing something changes changes it rather than having to do which we normally try um so that's what i've been employing more of um and i can say that even though the activity so far i've been doing for maybe uh, like a couple of weeks the activity like the amount of chocolate sort of it's changed it's changed but what has changed a lot more um with netflix and with the chocolate uh for the time that i've been doing it is the quality of the experience it's changed like very quite 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 a lot actually um it's becoming less and less compulsive becoming more and more enjoyable and i can i can just see these moments of lack of interest in it and that's what i'm looking for in this like this is just my own little experiment i'll have to let you know in like two months how it goes (laughs) um but for me what i'm looking for is and sort of my hypothesis uh is is like you eventually reach this point where suddenly you wake up and you're no longer interested in it it just doesn't interest you to eat that chocolate just doesn't interest you to um watch that show that's what I'm looking for within myself. Um, and I've had these experiences where I've seen it's possible. Um, so yeah, that to me is a lot more sustainable than willpower because willpower implies that you have something to overcome. Um, you know, it sounds like you're almost detached from whether or not you do it, even though you're doing it. Yeah. 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 So enjoying it, enjoying it, no matter what it is, uh, yeah, no matter what it is. That's like you're unconditionally loving the experience. <laughs> I guess you can take that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Is this related at all to reliance on the Holy Spirit? That's something you mentioned in one of your episodes. Right. 
Yeah, it is. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, to me, that's why I'm so happy all the time. Well, that's a major part. Actually, that's probably the major part of it. Um, it is it's, it's completely a blessing and I'm aware that it's a blessing and I'm aware that I don't have to do anything and I'm aware that it's not up to me and I'm aware that it's not my efforts. It's something beyond that. And I think we struggle a lot when we think everything's on us and we think that we have to overcome this. But in AA, if you look at AA, which, so alcoholism used to be a debt, it used to be something you died from before AA. So this was people these days, I think there's some people that poo poo AA without quite understanding that before Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 steps program, which are applied to more than just alcoholism these days, any addiction, um, alcoholism was a something you died from. It was, if you had it, you die. So this was the first, recoverable uh, program which is amazing and the first step is admit that you're powerless that's the first step uh, i was in a group the other day and it was alcoholic it was the 12 steps applied to emotions which i was really interested in so i went to a online meeting and i the first thing people said was my name's nick i'm powerless over my emotions for me i said um what wrong more true for me was my name's nick I am powerless over the arising of my emotions. I really like that one. Um, Wait, isn't that why people drink? Because they're trying to control their emotions. Right. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's potentially, yeah. Yeah. It's a, the whole, a whole subject of its own. Don't, don't even know. It makes sense to me that you'd, uh, there's the addiction hat comes from this inner place of emptiness that tries to, right. um, to, to fill it up with whatever, whatever it can numb, numb the mind, however it can. That's no, in spirituality, me. isn't there this idea that we are emptiness? It's like a Buddhist principle, I think. Ah, yeah. That's a good point. So why, um, do you, why do you want to fill it in? Hmm. You could just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe emptiness can be replaced with just to be like more clear in terms of the Buddhist principle of emptiness. It could be maybe more replaced with coldness, uh, lack of inner warmth, lack of inner comfort, lack well, of maybe innocence. you could replace it with if there's an empty space, then there's loads of space. So for expression. So instead of being a problem, you could change your perspective of that experience into you could experience anything. It's that it's unlimited potential. Right. Yeah, it could. <laughs> you could see how it goes. You could see how it goes. I think moving on slightly, um, there's yeah, yeah. There's something you mentioned about dreams. So how do you relate to right. dreams? Dreams. Oh, yeah. So the way I use dreams um, just sort of popped up intuitively for me mostly uh, was just realizing that how we experience life is entirely like subjective. And then we categorize what we think is. So, for example, we say our waking experience is real. Whatever we experience there is real whatever we experience in dreams is, is unreal. Um, the way I like to play around with dreams, it's all just playing around for me, uh, is to see what 
feelings it brings up within me. Um, and also just be aware and just question if there's any um, significance to the dream. There's something for me to learn. And something that I tried recently was something that worked pretty well was active imagination. Um, something that Jung, like a yeah. union thingy, majiggy that I didn't really know much about, but I read the word and I'm like, cool, cool. That sounds cool. And I just sort of got it. It's just like imagining what the dream means to me, just imagining, just kind of letting my mind go wild be like, Hey, you know, if I had no limitations, what would this dream mean to me? That's sort of a cool way to trick the mind <laughs> into actually playing around with it and not being limited by all these um, constraints we, we give. Sometimes there's cool meaning in the dream um, that I can learn from a lot. A lot of the time I like the, the feelings to become aware of whatever feelings I'm holding within myself because the feeling is coming from within me, whether it's a dream, whether it's a waking state, the feeling could only be experienced if it's coming from within me. So either way, I can always use dreams as a, as a tool for um, my, mindfulness, basically, aware, awareness of myself um, emotionally. Yeah. So can we use active imagination on anything? I th oh yeah, we can. I think we can. I did use it recently as well. I was, um, I, I see like someone every two weeks who helps me like inquire deeper, um, which I really like. And today, today or yesterday, yesterday we had our session. She's like, something came up and she asked me, Hey Nick. So does like, she just asked me, she's like, do you have any images that come up for this? I described to her this feeling, what was coming up for me. And I said, do I have any images? And I said, yeah, there was. And I told her about the, I just, I sort of recognized what she was saying and what she was uh, asking. And I'm like, ah, that's a cool idea. Let's go along with it. So we just sort of played with it. And I was able to use that, yeah, imagination with the intention of unraveling or letting go or becoming aware you know, so for me, there was this image that came up just in mind. This is how I see it, at least. When she asked that question, what came up was suddenly just this blue, like a blue. Blue came up. Why blue? Why not green? <laughs> Why not red? Why not something else? And what also came up was some images of trees and some uh, like a little boy in a playground. And I think usually what my mind does and what our mind tends to do is it it rationalizes really, really quickly. It says, this is just imagination. It sets it aside. But in that space where our intention was to understand, our intention was to um, go deeper within and play around with it and just, just experiment um, with it, just have fun with it. I was like, almost, it's almost like you have to give yourself permission to, to allow yourself to use imagination in this way. Um, and then that helped me immensely actually it helped me immensely to so she asked me and she just asked me this thread of questions that led me to basically see a little boy within me that was just very cold and didn't feel loved at all and was very very sad and non-responsive to anyone and to me that was like a representation of this inner apathy that i had discovered within me holy um, shit i relate yeah, to that right? so much that's how oh. i felt oh cool <laughs> Yeah. And then, so she asked me a question when, uh, when I saw that, uh, she asked me like, well, she first asked, she's like, could you, 
could you say hello to this boy? I said, okay. Uh, I'm like, hey, my name's Nick. And she I was like, so what did he say? I said, well, I introduced myself, but the little boy didn't answer. He didn't say anything. Um, he was just looked at, look, keep, kept looking down. So I asked her, she's just like, okay, well, could you like maybe ask this little boy what's going And this was all just in my imagination, right? Um, but I was feeling it and I was aware of it. And I think that's what's important. Uh, rather than relegating, this is imagination, this is real. If we feel it, if we see it, then it's real to us, right? It's real to mm. us. So she asked me a question. She's like, okay, could you ask this boy what's going on? And I'm like, okay. So I, no expectations. I just ask. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just ask. Um, hey, what's going on? Like, what's, what's up? What's going on with you? Like, are you right? And he's like, I'm like, I'm, no one loves me. <laughs> so basically, this little boy just he said, no one loves me in a very cold way. And then I told her that. I said, that's what he says. And then she says, okay, well, what's your like natural response? So what's your natural response? And I just told her, I'm like, just hug, hug the boy. <laughs> so that's what I did in my imagination. But it was really cool because in my imagination, I could see that the little boy was gaining back his color. Like he wasn't blue anymore. He was now, there was color there just from this, this, this hug. And I realized that that's when I actually, re like I heard it before that there's nothing to fix, that you can't fix anything. I heard that. But that's when I really experienced that the only thing we can really do is love and accept something. Like the only thing that brought back the color, the, the warmth of this boy was, was hugging him. So simple, right? So obvious, but not to the mind, not with all its concepts and its ideas. So yeah, in that way, imagination, you know, it can be our worst enemy, but it can also be our best friend if we use it consciously. Um, yeah. So it's not about what it is, it's about, I guess, how we use it. So that's what I learned about that. And I guess we can do that anytime. We can be like, I've been actually used, straight after that, I used, used it with some clients and it worked really well. It's like, if there's a feeling there, I just like, okay, cool. It just came to mind. Hey, so like, imagine we set a table, we're setting like a tea table, like a tea party. And each feeling is sort of like embodied around the table. What would this feeling say? What would this feeling what, want from you? Can you ask it? Because normally we judge everything so harshly without actually... Mm even considering to ask, Hey, what does this shame want from me? Hey, what does this fear want from me? We, we tell it's what to do rather than asking, um, which was a really cool realization. And it's a really powerful mm. exercise. We can just play around in, in our mind. The only limitation is this little nagging voice that says, nah, it's not real. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But wait, yeah. we need to be kind to that voice as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't need to, but it helps. <laughs> it helps. It helps to to be kind. The cool thing is, yeah, kindness is just so underutilized. It's like so powerful. Uh, if it's utilized, if it's really committed to, so if we commit to being kind to everything, no matter what, uh, at all times, that can cut everything. It cuts through everything. Because um, no matter what, you've, you've just made a commitment. You say, okay, I'm going to be kind to this no matter what. And you start to realize how mean how much how much meanness there is within us and judgment and criticism of others and mostly of ourselves and then you start to realize oh wait a minute you there's like this incessant desire to fix it and do something with it but that's some, just like you said something else to be kind to um and that's where cool questions are like that's where allowing and acceptance and those questions that were asked come in as well because that's to me what kindness where it starts is by allowing something 
to be as it is. You can't be kind to something unless you acknowledge it as it is. That's like the very foundational starting point. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you do if you're in a really challenging situation, like someone is threatening you and like, yeah, you just feel really, uns- you know, like these things happen in life sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It depends what you want. <laughs> what do you want from the situation? Well, what I'm saying is that might be a lot harder to do for someone to, to be kind. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So like, should, right, right, right. Well, kindness is all inclusive. So kindness includes you. So it also includes knowing your limitations at the moment. So maybe for one person, let's say like there's examples of people, uh, stories I've heard of these people who, you know, someone pulls a gun to his head, right? Someone pulls a gun Mm -hmm. to his head. He looks him in the eyes. He says, basically like, I know this isn't what you want. But he's able to do that because he is very clear within himself. Like he's got, he's uh, in touch with that, that love for himself, for life, which are one and the same thing. So he's able to do that and um, come across unharmed, right? But for most people, for most of us, when we have, when there's fear within us, if there's even a little bit of fear or if there's fear within us, it tends to bring a, about the fear within the other person. And people will sense oh, that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And so probably in that instance, the smart thing or the kind thing to do would just be to just go along with it for the highest good. You think, okay, what's for the highest good? Yeah, I'll give him my wallet. Yeah, I'll give him my car. I'm saving my life here. Um, so I think it's just knowing, going back to knowing yourself, that's probably, it's so context dependent. It's so depends on the situation, depends on the person, depends on so many variables. There's just no way to know until it happens. (laughs) Um, But what's really cool is having the trust that when it does happen, you'll know, um, you'll know what's good for what is kind in that instant. Um, And you'll know you can only do your best. So, you know, maybe you have, yeah, okay. Maybe someone puts a gun to your face and you get a bit angry. Oh, okay. That's right. (laughs) That's a very natural uh, response. That's, that's fine. Again, there's no point being, angry or bitter about the angerness or the bitterness um doesn't really help in any way so yeah does that answer that question sort of like yeah you know i'm actually trying to apply your principles to this interview i'm just trying to like right right (laughs) oh there's this temptation for like okay what's the next question right yeah 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 so you know what i'm talking about oh yeah yeah, well, what I love in my podcasts, you know, there's some people I, I resonate with so much in the podcast and it just flows. It just flows so well. And I've been learning more to align more with those people and have more of those people on uh, decline the other ones that don't. Um, there's sometimes I get this like real sense that someone wants something or they want to promote something or they they want to, maybe they're kind, they're nice, but they're stuck in a script in, in their mind that they want to just... So there's no flow. There's no genuine curiosity for, for me or for actually exploring life. I'm not really, it's not really about me. It's about exploring life together. That's what it is for me. So yeah, in interviews, I just love that. Like my friend calls it riffing. We just riff on something right. and like tennis, like I go, then you go and then he goes and then, yeah, it's just nice effortless flow, flowy flows. Yeah.
you know, part of the flow might be whatever question arises in mind for you. That's part of life, you know, whatever comes up for you is a part of it. And then you just learn from the feedback. You'll know when you say it, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's, a, yeah, it feels right. Or it'll be like, oh yeah, okay, maybe not. You just learn, <laughs> learn as you go. Yeah, at least that's what I, what I try. So what do you actually do? Um, like your work, so to speak. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, what do I do? I do many different things. Uh, for me, the primary avenue right now is just YouTube, podcasts, writing, and one-on-one work with people. Um, that's the main, the main thing uh, that what I. What do you write? Uh, weekly, weekly newsletter called Joyful Broadcast. Um, I write for some other things as well, but that's the main one. Just topics that help, uh, in my own experience, unravel the obstacles to joy and through understanding and through gentleness and through ease and through, yeah. And so in this, this newsletter, I just, uh, the topic that came up for me was listening, um, deeply listening and sharing my experiences with, with seeing within myself where, Hey, hang on. I'm actually not listening to the person who's in front of me. I'm trying to fit them into a box. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to verify my own perception. I'm not trying to actually, I'm not actually interested in expanding. I'm interested in contracting, keeping that person, putting them into a box. So I learned that I'm like, wow, every moment we listen to someone, we have this incredible opportunity to um, expand our perspectives. And I'm aware of that, even speaking with you, like everything you say, I can deeply listen to it. And that intention like catalyzes this new perspective this new perception or i can do the boring thing and try to be like oh yeah that that agrees with what i know or that doesn't agree like who cares about that yeah. it's about perspective expansion not about right or wrong um i don't really vibe that language like you are right you are wrong like who cares <laughs> that's some um, good vibes right it's like kids on the playground like you want to have fun if there's some kid it's just like God, no we're going to do it this way right <laughs> and it's kind of like but why? I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. Why not try new things? Yeah. Play. I think play is the, something that I have to, in terms of joy, recently relearn. Uh, having that playful curiosity again that we all, we all have as kids. But I think what I've seen, at least in me, definitely because I was a very sensitive kid. So that curiosity was almost like, it's like pounded out of just pounded and i could to me it's like i can see it as this like need to justify ourselves as kids it's like we're pretty much told to explain ourselves <laughs> we're told how we right. should be we're told to explain ourselves we're not actually we're not engaged in this like relationship with with our parents with the adults of co-discovery we're more told like it's sort of author authoritative structure which is all right if it's a if it's a strong authority, but you know most people are not emotionally mature. Most parents are not, you know. So we get bombarded, and that inner curiosity, that inner playfulness that we're so not so not natural for 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 all of us as kids. Um, it's like it gets it just shrivels up like it's that. Like, Stop doing that. What are you doing that? Don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Control this like need to control and just yeah. contain contain this curiosity. 
Um, I had to learn to unleash it again. <laughs> yeah. What is maturity? Because we grow up with this idea of what maturity is, but what is maturity right. really? Right. Uh, well, to me, it's a, it's maturity. It's like continuously expanding your perspective is what I would say, uh, or your perception to be more and more uh, all encompassing and with that comes naturally this emotional like for me number one of emotional of maturity is understanding that what you feel is your own feelings coming up no one can make you feel anything uh so that's something that's not really understood by most of us is that we blame we project for all our feelings for how we feel uh so I think maturity starts with that. <laughs> uh, it's acceptance, it's compassion, being able to empathize with people, understand, see their perspective, flexibility, um, caringness, like the all these things come naturally with this expanded perspective. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's, well, what is it to you? What's What's maturity to you? I guess what you said i mean that resonated so perfect yeah i don't know what else to say like seems to be not having like some sort of defensive justification or judgment or criticism and just be like well it it can be constructive actually criticism but like it just is without the yeah but this but that you know yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i see so i guess that controlling this itself is if it's coming from an insecure place that's not really mature insecure yeah. isn't mature or something <laughs> yeah oh, i love i love what you said about the yeah trying to justify justify maturity is sort of like very gr- oh grounded grounded Maturity is ground. I thought you were going to say grace for a sec. Grace? That's like a next level. <laughs> that I think that comes um, that comes naturally through this grounding. As we ground ourselves, we start to discover these things like, hey, nothing. This is by at the end of the day, it's by grace that anything is possible at the end ah, of the day. Okay. How what's grounded spirituality compared to Ungrounded spirituality. Oh yeah, ungrounded spirituality is ooh, it's, it's an in, intellect. Intellect is is the grounded in experience. Grounded, it always has to be grounded in experience. I've been very, I've been more and more these days, and I admit I have more to um, to cut myself to um, to being more and more pinpoint accurate. If I'm saying something, to make sure that it's coming from my experience, not some sort of intellectual concept that I have. Because if, if it's a concept, why is it there? It means that I don't have the experience and I have to rely on this secondary thing called the conceptual understanding. Um, so more and more these days, because I've been able to see how, like there's a Zen proverb, which I think talks about uh, the, the ungrounded spirituality where it talks about like nothingness, right? And there's this like Zen disciple and he's in the, in the little monastery 
and he's talking and he, he understands everything intellectually. He's like, he knows it all, knows it all <laughs> intellectually. And he's saying like, everything is emptiness, that nothing, nothingness is reality. There, there is nothing. And one of the teacher comes up to him and he, the teacher, <laughs> the teacher is him. So, you know, Zen, they're quite uh, direct. So mm. he gives him a really big slap, <laughs> gives him a big slap on the head. And the disciple gets really angry. He's like, what? <laughs> hey, why'd you just slap me? Why did you, you slap me? He said, hey, man, everything's emptiness. Everything's nothing. Who's getting angry? <laughs> so that to <laughs> me, the, like an example of ungrounded uh, and the, the dangers, well, the, I'll call them, yeah, the, the, the potential, the slippery slope of getting stuck in the intellect where you, yeah. That's how you get tricked into all sorts of strange things. And yeah, that's, that's to me what is, what can only be cut through by a very, very like sharp honesty it has to be extremely sharp. In, 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 um, and that's something that we can cultivate. We can sharpen this knife of honesty every day with ourselves. What so do we do though? Start... Sorry. Sorry. Well, when all these, exploring all these ideas mm. and concepts so fun at least for me it is, it is. <laughs> so there's nothing inherently wrong with that but how do, no, we, no, no. how do we explore these ideas without getting caught up in them and too much in our head i'm a big fan of more fun more fun please more enjoyment please it's not that these things are not fun. It's just that there's something way more fun. <laughs> it's like these things are really fun. It's really fun to explore, really fun to come to grasp things. But what's way more fun is to actually experience them. What's way more fun is when you experience it, you require zero understanding, like conceptual. You don't require zero thought. It's just there. It's clear. <laughs> you don't need to hear about God. God's there. That's that, divinity is shining forth right in front of you that's way more fun than a conceptual understanding right so, so more fun, the question more is I, I guess we, so we we come up with these ideas or ideas come to us or we discover these ideas and we're like wow that, that that's, that's really cool and the what if you yeah, buy absolutely. this and stuff like that and then you could be like what if i do it i don't just <laughs> Because then it's like, okay, it's great to have that idea. The best thing about the idea is it enables you to then do it. Mm. Right? right? There's the opportunity. You might miss the opportunity but to attach to the ideas. Right. Yeah. It's like, like you said, like there's nothing wrong with it. Enjoying it. Actually enjoying it. Um, for me, it's like enjoying the moment. Like sometimes very cool, there's insight. Oh, sorry, like with the cigarettes and the chocolate. Yeah. yeah. You can do that with the concepts. Right. Cool. There you go. Oh, yeah. Love them. Love the concepts. Let them be there. Just watch them. Because <laughs> that's at the heart of the taking note of how many cookies there are. It's just observing um, consciously. Right, so like observing the concepts, like, hey, there's a concept that's coming up. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't need to like shut down all those no. ideas. Oh, that's not... Yeah, because that's not very kind. 
Right. <laughs> at the same time, you don't want to just be like, you know, well, this is this idea. That idea's wrong. This idea's right. And then, da, 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 da. And then <laughs> you're so sucked into the ideas that it can be all kind of like, it's almost like if you're stuck in your third eye chakra, but you're not even in your heart at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, we have all these rattling thoughts and we're thinking all about it. And you can feel through a sort of dynamic action or engagement when you're not just otherwise you're just like coldly analyzing it ah potentially right. potentially yeah i think dropping away from analysis um is something that's been something that i've i've been learning recently is like you said, feeling, feeling into it more. Um, and, you know, there's something that my teacher would say, he said, so the only thing that blocks us uh, from this awareness, this presence, are all these feelings that are within us, all this, these bottled up feelings of the past or this, my own, my own way of putting it. The only thing stopping us from experiencing the presence of grace, divinity, God, the one whatever word is used for it um is th there's all these bottled up feelings within us all these bottled up so instead of worrying about all these concepts like almost a more direct route is to just let go of these feelings and let the revelation right to me that's what letting go is that little thing that we practiced before those just those questions is just becoming curious with a feeling looking to start to walk towards it rather than away from it. And yes, that requires courage. So just looking to the feeling. And then for me, you know, I ask these questions that help me let go. Like, could I welcome this feeling? Uh, and just welcoming every feeling that comes, but really welcoming every single feeling. Wait, I just had an idea. Like, like yeah. with the idea that getting absorbed into concepts can be like, particularly analyzing them as well, it can be like an addiction. Right. Right. Where it you is use your method, <laughs> where you ask those questions about how you feel about it, and why you're doing it, why you feel like you have to, or you want to. We can go from there to the experiencing it and feeling it like it's the chocolate. And right. from there, that allows us to let go of the feelings that might actually be behind the concepts. Right. Yes, yes. The feelings that are behind the... Because every thought is energized. Otherwise, 
it wouldn't be there. And feeling is energy. Yeah. Feeling is the energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. So it'd be like looking within. So it's like a, it's like a inner inquiry. It's a self inquiry combined with this letting go. So looking to inquire into the nature of the feeling with this childlike curiosity and playfulness and then letting go of the resistance to it. That's what we're letting, like right. letting go. So then the feeling just dissolves of its own. Um, in other words, loving the feeling is another way of dissolving it. So actually, and the cool thing is, it's a really cool thing. If we want to change a feeling or if it bothers us, it means that we haven't actually given it all the love and attention that we can, that, that we can. It's all within us. We can, if we wanted to. So that's a cool feedback mechanism that, hey, this agitates me. Oh, hang on. Like, that means I, there's something about it that I haven't come to love and accept. And then that can be its own inquiry. Be like, hey, why, why haven't, where's that coming from? Why, what motivates the unwillingness to love and accept it? Maybe there's this illusion that I don't deserve it. Maybe, I don't know. It could be something. You're trying to cope and escape from how you feel through yeah. anything else, potentially. You know, I'm really grateful that you um that we ended up having this interview because like I've learned from this. I I feel like I can apply what you're saying for my own life. Wonderful. That's the most important part, right? Yeah. So I, I'm probably going to listen to this again just to really <laughs> get the benefit of it. Because, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for this. I, I think there's... Thank you. I'm grateful for this opportunity. You know, there's something really cool is that I like your recognition. <laughs> and the cool thing, I love because these are just words, right? But we're able to recognize something behind the words. And that's the really cool thing that everything, and I'm sure the listeners as well, there's like times where you just recognize something because that's already within everyone. It's already within us. I think we tend to, especially like, I think in the world, it's so common to want to have some someone with all the answers and go to them. And the last thing we sometimes want to hear is, hey, everything's within you. But it is. <laughs> it is within you. Otherwise, you couldn't recognize it. Like how it all just sounds like gibberish. You know, it's all like gibberish. You can't recognize English unless you already know English. So it's already, you already know everything. It's almost like we have to be given permission or be in a space where our intention is to understand and our intention is to see. But imagine if we like had that intention every single moment of our lives to use the person in front of us as our teacher. Um, like what, what could they teach me about life? Maybe if something that, I don't know, but we don't have to, that's a cool thing. We don't have to know. Right. We can be a student of life instead of a student of authority. Right. Life is our Because then we don't choose our whom we listen to. Instead, it's just like, let's just learn from everything. Yeah, exactly. It's a cool one. And the cool thing is people, that's, that's when we really start to get curious with life, um, with people to be like, Hey, why, 
Like maybe someone, maybe they've like ro- robbed, I don't know, robbed some stores, killed some people, ran over some people, just like using an extreme example. And most people are walking right past them. But because there's this inner curiosity, we just go up to them and be like, hey, like, can you tell me about your life? <laughs> How do you think that was a good idea? You know, I'm, I don't want to judge you. I'm just really curious. Like, please tell me, I want to understand. And then there's this now love and acceptance that they feel like, hey, this person really cares about me and actually wants to understand me. Like how? Yeah, they're not used to that. They used to someone be like, oh, why are you doing this? But if you actually (laughs) treat, maybe they don't feel like they've been treated human. And so, but if you treat them like a human being and someone who's hurting inside, because that's how it is, probably. Not to judge, but you can... So many people, they're acting out these hurt inner child aspects of themselves, hmm. right? You can do it, look at it in yourself, but you could also potentially see it in other people. And why would you not love someone who's <laughs> kind of like, when, you know, why would you not love a child that's in pain that you could support in some way? Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to the, like I'm part of this mentor group for kids. um, And I noticed that some of the, some of the approaches, some people's approach in that uh, thing is to see the kid as something to fix. Mm. (laughs) Like, Hey, like at the end, like this is, they didn't go as planned. Things didn't go as planned as, as they should have gone like how can i fix this <laughs> but that's like i imagine if someone if that's how someone felt towards me that's not something that really inspires warmth affection and love within me um it's something that makes us feel pressured to be a certain way which is what we experience most of our life i think that's the main block to this uh, inner curiosity and love um is this pressure and this desire to fix everyone instead of which something I've had to, it takes time, I think, to unlearn, especially from a strong logical background to unlearn that, that mindset, that fixer mentality, and to just really deeply realize that there's actually nothing to fix. The only thing you can do, the best thing you can do when you're sitting with someone is to just, just your presence. That's it. That's more than enough. That love and acceptance which at the end of the day, you can only give as much of that as you have owned within yourself. Um, and that's, so that's the best way we can help everyone is just to, to love, to love and accept ourselves. But the practical way of that, at least for me is to become curious with ourselves as we are like, that's what acceptance is. That's what love is. Love's, you know, if you imagine Mother Teresa sitting in front of you, what would she probably ask? She'd probably ask you, hey, how's your day? But like with deep, deep love and care, like she really wants to know, how are you? Yeah. So we can be that to ourselves and to other people. I think that's what it really looked like. Because we hear love and accept ourselves. We hear these all the time. But what does it actually look like? I think to me, that's what it's what I've been understanding. It's like really deeply becoming curious um, with ourselves and asking rather than judging and pushing away all these things maybe we should just understand them before we do anything about you know it's such a it's a much more fun way to live 
Oh, and yes. You know, I think yes, that, yes. that's a good way to sum up, like, what we've been talking about, really, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. It's a playful, curious... Exactly. Fun. We can actually bring fun into our lives by the way we hold it in mind. Fun is, is joy, fun? and joy is what your podcast is all about. <laughs> Great segue. Great segue. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to conveniently uh, wrap this up. Uh, Perfect. With that. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. I certainly did. Um, I hope you um, got something out of this so that perhaps you can have more joy in your life and playfulness in your life. So, um, yeah, uh, I hope you have a great day or evening. And um, bye for now.